Podcasting from the CRW studio, this is the Two Drink Minimum with your hosts, Henny and Patron. Cheers, college football fanatics, and welcome back to the Two Drink Minimum. I am Dan Patron, and with me as always is Kevin Hennigan. DZ, on vacation tonight, but we're going to bring you the Big 12 preview anyways. The favorites, the storylines, the dark horses, newcomers, defensive and offensive players of the year, and of course, conference championship. It is Willow Rock Night, next on the Two Drink Minimum. Oh, I got so excited I almost forgot the beer. You were going to forget that for long. Yeah, no, that doesn't that doesn't get left. Henny, uh, two exciting things to talk about tonight. All right. One, Big 12 preview night. Two, Willow Rock night. Uh, Love Willow Rock. New mics, new season. We got, we, got, we got a new flex here, but we got Willow Rock back again, a uh, supporter of the show. We, good possibility we end up down there with a broadcast from the brewery at some point. Talk to Kevin over the summer about that. Kevin, not you, Kevin. Kevin Brewer, Kevin. And, uh, yeah, some exciting things in store for you guys this year, uh, this season on the two-drink minimum. And the cream skull on, is on its way. Cream skull's on its way? Yeah. yeah. That's Opening a, college football weekend, a little cream skull. That's a big dog, too. Yes. That's a big dog. That that checks your boxes. That checks the, the honey boxes. Yeah, it is a couple perfect. of those. It is perfect. Uh, obviously, no DZ tonight. So, I mean... Click. I, well, people just hung up. People are like, I'm out. If, I no, was no, close to it. No DZ. <laughs> I'm out. Uh, love DZ. He is in the great state of Vermont right now. One of the best states in the union. Love that place. Awesome. Playground. Summer. Winter. Anytime. We're here, though, and we're going to go over the Big 12 this evening. It's the they Big listen, 12. Are they listening to show tunes outside <laughs> Our wives are outside listening to show tunes. We're inside sweating in the, in the studio. So, Kevin, I want to start by just, we always do the opening discussion, a question sort of to, to come up with and to, to get us into it. I'm just going to go totally Big 12 relevant because there's the elephant in the room. Texas and Oklahoma are leaving for the SEC. Obviously, long-term, it sucks for the Big 12, if the Big 12 even continues to exist. Like, they might be done. You're talking, uh, you know, SEC is adding the two main brands from the Big 12, ACC, Big 10, and Pac-10 are are thinking about doing this, Pac-12, sorry, thinking about doing this, you know, kind of collaboration thing. Big 12 is, as we know it at least, is done. Long term, that sucks. Long term, that stinks for the Big Twelve. That stinks for Big Twelve fans. But I am I alone in thinking that this sets up for some wonderful theater in the Big Twelve this year. I mean, the rest of the league is ticked. They got to be ticked. So Texas and Oklahoma, who obviously have always gotten teams' best shots, are just gonna be taking haymakers to the jaw weekly this year. And for me, again, it stinks long term. But short term, that's going to be pretty awesome for this year. I'm actually excited to see the hatred spewed by the other teams towards these two teams for taking their ball and going home. That storyline is going to follow these teams until they're out of the conference. That's going to be one of the main things that we talk about. So it makes sense for us to lead off with that. When I first saw the news, like they kept, there's a pretty good secret. It's hard to keep secrets now. And when the news broke that they might leave, I thought we'd be sitting down right now talking about what if they do leave? And then a few seconds later, it's no, they've already left. It's over with. Shocking to me that this is going to happen. There were rumors about Texas flirting with the ACC and the Pac-12 a few years ago. 
Nothing happened. It has to be one of the main storylines for the Big 12 this year. These yeah. two teams. Do, do, does Iowa State wish that the teams left this year? If you're Iowa State, do you wish, that, hey, why don't you guys go right now? Let us. I think Iowa State wants to take their crack at it. And, I mean, if you're Iowa State, they're not a team. They're not a program that's going to be left uh, for dead. I mean, that's a team that has a natural fit in the Big Ten. I think they can find a spot in the Big Ten. You know, maybe them in Kansas scoot over to the Big Ten. Kansas, obviously, is a basketball brand. But, I mean, if you're going to let Rutgers in, Maryland in, what problem You've do gotta you have? You've got to be a Kansas guy now, though, right? What problem do you have? Are you course. a Kansas guy? Well, I mean... It's, They're the UB Bulls. I, they brought players. What, I, six players from UB, the I coaching staff. So, on the one hand, they're the UB Bulls. On the other hand, they stole the UB Bulls. <laughs> Right, but it's fun to have a program now. The, it's, I mean, it's it, it's it, it, you know it is what it is. You gotta, it, your coach does well. You know, Leopold does well, and you're obviously that's been the sticking point for Buffalo being you know longevity wise being a, a power football program. So every time they have a coach win, that coach leaves for you know brighter pastures. But they're, I mean, they hit home run after home run. That's why Cincinnati's hats. sitting though in the top ten is because their guy hasn't left yet. Yeah, I mean, they're but, not having to shuffle through it, so that consistency right. goes a long way. Right, and I think that you know, obviously, Cincinnati coach is sitting there waiting to see how the merry-go-round and the uh, uh, wait, what's the game where you walk around the chairs and musical and chairs, musical chairs. He's waiting to see how the musical chairs breaks down because Cincinnati might end up with a seat at the table. You know, I mean, they're in a major, they're in a major market, they're in a major city. They've they've got money. They've got a quality football program. They've historically had a quality basketball program. You know, that they might end up with a seat at the table, and then he just gets to stay there as the guy that brought them to the yeah. table. You know. So, anyways, uh, there's a lot to talk about, a lot to dissect with just that. But I, for one, again, going into it, I can't wait to just see. And it, it, that's terrible to say. I can't. Well, I can't wait to see some of the hatred I was at from the, um, other fan bases towards Texas and Oklahoma, as if there wasn't already enough. Now it's going to be just insanity I everywhere was, they go. I was at the last, the last Syracuse Georgetown basketball game before Syracuse was leaving for the ACC. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it was down in Washington D.C. and that atmosphere, like you're bringing up right now, it had a different feel. With the two fan bases, like the anger on one side going back and forth about one team leaving, another team having to drop down to a lower league. There was hatred yeah. for sure. Oh, I, hate, 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 hate. Georgetown, hate. Going, going back to Georgetown, they said, man, this building is closed. They oh, beat yeah. Syracuse in the last game at Manly Fieldhouse. So they have, you know, uh, yes, absolutely. There is a lot of hatred in that game. And uh, Kevin, we'll put Kevin down for one analogy for the evening. Let's see if he has more. I'll keep the ticker going. <laughs> The, I'm just the, pumped we got Kansas talking already. Play, That's why people tuned in. So it, it's Big 12. We're seven minutes into Big 12. We've talked about UB, Kansas. <laughs> Georgetown Hoops. Georgetown Hoops. <laughs> Cincinnati. Um, DZ, Vermont, and it's ranking amongst states. Kevin, <laughs> we got – so, I, you know, obviously that storyline was the storyline. When you pose the question, you know, team player storyline that intrigues you, Obviously, that storyline was going to be the storyline. So you just bust that out as this opening discussion. So maybe we have some differing storylines for the Big 12 this year. Your storyline, other than that, that or you know, player team, what what's intriguing you coming into this season? We're starting with Max Duggan, Patron. We're we're looking at TCU here for an intriguing storyline for me. Well, you got to let that play in the background. And I don't know. <laughs> 
I don't know if we have the rights for this. Do we have to get that cleared? Nobody has the rights. Max it's, got it's YouTube. It's free. Yeah. Um, with TCU and the Horn Frog, Gary Patterson, this is a program that every few years they just 10, 11 wins. Right? This program has been, I think 2012, they joined the Big 12, and they've had three or four 10, 11 win seasons. They come out of nowhere, and they have the ability to reach the conference championship game, to be in playoff discussions. They were one of the teams that when people wanted to expand playoffs, they were looking at a school like TCU. I think they finished fifth or sixth one of the years at Baylor when they didn't get to play a conference championship game yeah, or something like that, TCU right? TCU undefeated Just a couple years ago. and didn't make it? So this is the team I'm looking at. You bring back a third-year starter in Max Duggan. A year ago, we thought his career was over. Right? He gets COVID. He has, I think, a heart procedure with it, and it looked like this kid wasn't going to get to play football again. He did come back last year passing, running. This kid is a top 20 running back at TCU with the numbers he's putting up there. They've got one guy really way up there, Tomlinson. We'll get to that name again in a little bit. But Duggan is a kid that I love to watch. They have an outstanding running back. Zach Evans was a five-star recruit, the one five-star recruit that they've brought into TCU. So you have a solid quarterback, an outstanding running back, and a very good defense. And a coach that... I trust is going to have his team in games, and the coach that knows how to coach that defense. You know, that's a that's an interesting it's an interesting team to look at. And really, you brought up Max Duggan. You played the Max Duggan song, which is of course well done. But Max Duggan is the key to that team. Can he stay healthy? If he stays on the field, you're spot on. I mean, that's that's a team that can make some noise. He was in that group of of freshmen, right? He was in there playing that same year that Sam Howell, Keaton Slovis, Jaden Daniels, you know, all of that group. He was one of that group and he was in that right in that conversation with the rest of those guys as you talked about the freshman phenoms from that season that you're like, holy cow, there's a lot of freshmen playing and a lot of freshmen playing well. And he was one of the names that you would bring up along with those other guys. My in my team storyline that intrigues me and there's not a lot of leagues that you would say that you wouldn't come in here and be like, Georgia intrigues me when you're talking about the SEC. You wouldn't come in here and be like, you know, UNC. Not a lot of times where you look at the number two team in the league and you go, this team intrigues me. But I, I, Iowa State, for me, the position and where they are with their program right now intrigues me. That's a team that intrigues me this year. Not because you wonder if they're going to be as good as they're supposed to be. You wonder if they're going to be better, if they can be better. You know, it's not, is, will this team be good enough to go 10-2? and two? Will this team be good enough to go 9-3? and three? Is this the best Iowa State team ever? You know, the answer to all those questions are yes. Yeah. That's not the intriguing point. The intriguing thing is, can they take that a step further? You know, this is a team with Brock Purdy at quarterback, with Brees Hall at running back, Charlie Kohler at tight end. All of those guys, you know, certainly Brees Hall and Charlie Kohler would be fitting into that top three at their position in college football. You know, Brock Purdy, he needs some improvement in his consistency as a passer, but he's a tough kid. He's played in some big games. He's played a lot of college football. You know, he has to be somewhere in that top 20 talk of, of college quarterbacks. The coaches voted say, him number at he the was very the least. Big 12 quarterback of the year last year. He was voted, the coaches do the voting for the Big 12. He was yeah. first team all Big 12. That was Sam Ellinger was second 
and Rattler was third. So yeah. the coach is going up against this dude. Look yeah. at him as our best guy, as and it, they bring him back. As and so this is also a team that not only brings back that on offense, which a lot of times you talk about a team that brings back a ton on offense, and then you go, geez, but that that defense was a problem. We talked about Ohio State in the Big Ten preview. You know, we got that 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 offense is loaded. Will the defense be able to hang? This is a defense that brings back studs at all levels. They bring back Mike Rose, who is potential Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Obviously, it has to be on that list. They got a pass rusher and Will McDonald up front, and a safety Greg Ellsworth uh, at the at the back side. Who all of those guys are first teamers when you're talking Big Twelve, and then you fill in around them with really a defense that's a secondary rather that's overall pretty incredible in a league that loves to throw the ball around everywhere. So this is a team that, you know, obviously what worries me is that wide receiver position. Not a whole lot of depth, not a whole lot of explosive playmakers at wide receiver for these guys. But this is a team that the intriguing part for me is, are they something more than just a very good Big 12 team? Are they a team that is potentially a national title contender? Can they knock Oklahoma off that perch and flip when them? When it counts, you know, flip them the bird as they as 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 Oklahoma. And can rides they beat off. Iowa? Campbell has yet to beat Iowa. I think he's 0, 0 for five. Maybe he's yeah, 0 for against Iowa. That's great that that game's back too. That game's back too. That's that's awesome. a huge game. That's a great game with Iowa State. Question for you, Patron. When you look at all the conferences and you look at the top two teams in the conference, mm-hmm. Alabama, Georgia sitting there in the SEC. Then you have Clemson and North Carolina, USC, Oregon, Ohio State and Indiana, Penn State, Wisconsin. There's question marks all over there. Does the Big 12, SEC is what it is. Outside of the SEC, you look at all those other major conferences, the Big 12 brings the best one-two punch out of everybody else. I would take Oklahoma and Iowa State over Clemson and North Carolina or Clemson, Miami, Ohio State, and their plus one. Give me the two Big Twelve teams. Well, I I think uh, I think that's accurate, and I'll, I'll go one step further. Nice. I, I don't think that the Big Twelve is way 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 behind the SEC either. Even when you talk about that, I mean, look, Georgia. We all know we've heard the hype train for Georgia this year. We heard what they're supposed to be, but we hear what they're supposed to be every year. Give me give me what they are, and and show me that Kirby Smart can win those ball games. We'll get to Georgia and the SEC. We know we'll what Iowa State is. We'll get to that SEC preview. But, you know, this this Iowa State team is loaded, and we'll get to this Oklahoma team. We're, we're 15 minutes into this, this preview, and we haven't even talked about Oklahoma yet. That team is loaded. When, <laughs> I mean, when you're yeah. talking about the Iowa State team being the best Iowa State team ever, that Oklahoma team is... For my money, that's the best roster they've had in the college football playoff era. You know, I, I'm not going to pretend that I'm some sort of Oklahomian historian who knows what Oklahoma, you know, the Oklahoma Sooners team in the 50s looks like. I mean, I've watched them, you know, obviously since the 90s I've watched Oklahoma and I've saw, you know, Bob Stoops just completely dominate. But for my money, they, they might have the most talented team they've had since the college football playoff 
began. You want I mean, to get into team, who they added? That then? team is loaded. And then you have who they added. You want to get? You want to move to some newcomers? And right that's here? when you're looking at that conference Good newcomers. Transition. Wonderful transition. I I love how it just organically transitions. I, there's nothing written in the notes. Just for our. our Listeners, <laughs> our, our listeners, there's nothing written down that says that like a transition here. Nice dissolve, you know. There's not. There's, but it, we should bring that up that. with this Oklahoma roster. Hundred percent. I mean, Lincoln Riley already proved himself and has proven himself and continues to prove himself an elite recruiter. And then, you know, like we talked about um, with, like we talked about with. Uh, who was who were we talking about with being an elite recruiter on the transfer front with, Down with Florida State? Florida Norvell's State. been doing it. A Florida bit. State. So Norvell uh, did the same thing. It, it, they're doing it right here. I mean, he's recruiting elite players out of high school, and then he goes into his hall that he gets for transfers. And 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 uh, you know my love for Eric Earl Gray. Yes, that's a crowded backfield in Oklahoma, but for me, I think this kid is the best of the bunch. You know, he he didn't go unnoticed in Tennessee, but he didn't go as noticed as he should have. Kid averaged five plus yards a carry, eight plus yards per catch for a bad Tennessee team, right? You you look at his game. You, you want to know his game that he had for Auburn against Auburn last year? So they played Auburn last year. Pretty good defense. They had NFL a nice guys had a nice sure defensive line. Twenty two carries, one hundred and seventy three yards. Eight yards per carry if you're keeping track, plus a touchdown, three catches for 50 yards. So this dude puts up 225 yards, right? They lost 30 to 17. Twice at Oklahoma now. That's a game they lost. Nice. So he didn't get any accolades. He didn't show up on ESPN for that game. They they showed Auburn highlights. Right. It, 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 and this kid, he's going to be great there. Tell, I mean, go into the rest of the hall. Well, I mean, they, they bring some team. He brings which, a couple of teammates. Speaking of hall, speaking of hall, I don't even think we touched on the fact that we're sipping on a Mister Zero New England IPA from our guys over at Willow Rock here on Willow Rock Night. It, this Mister Zero, if you don't have time to like sit down it, for a little while, at Willow Rock, you swing in there, grab a few out of there, and get home. And Mister Zero is a home run. Home run. So when you look at Gray coming over he brings a couple of his teammates with him a defensive back then the morris kid a left t- he's even starting left tackle for oklahoma and the recruiting classes every year oklahoma's bringing in elite guys at every position and then you go out and these are not kids that you're having to rely on you're bringing in guys who have been in an sec strength and conditioning program they know how to handle themselves they come to oklahoma lincoln riley doesn't need these guys if there were issues with any of these players he wouldn't bring them in he doesn't need them he has capable players at left tackle. Kennedy Brooks is back. He didn't need a running back. He has Kennedy Brooks back. That kid said the last year off, he's going to be fresh coming in there. But we still, we bring in a better running back to look at. An embarrassment of riches for Oklahoma here. An embarrassment. An embarrassment. I mean, you you have... Uh, well, is that the dog? It is. All right. Hang on. Let me go get that dog. Brief commercial break brought to you by, brought to you by Hudson. <laughs> the Hudson Hornet. Uh, yes. Uh, in... The embarrassment of riches, you take a look at the wide receiving core. You know, add that into the embarrassment of riches. That's where I want to go with my and, new and, player. And I, mean, I guess, I guess f- forgive me if I was doing my, I wasn't listening while I was trying to figure out the dog and you were uh, talking about the wonderful transfers, but did we did we mention Mike Woods? Did we, we touch on Mike Woods? Yet. No. He, was a, he played his spring game at Arkansas and then comes over, right? 
<laughs> Isn't that what he did? <laughs> They're writing. Sto- they wrote a story about him, like tearing up the spring game and how like big things are expected from Mike Woods. And the dude bombs a day later. Played well he's in that like, game and yeah, then yeah, he's put like, it on film. Yeah. Oh yeah. He sent out a recruiting video. From his own spring game. Well, he's like, I'd look. Their quarterback's gonna be a kid, KJ Jefferson. They hope it's all right. But if you have the opportunity to go to a Lincoln Riley offense, and I, my newcomer to watch is another receiver. So Mario Williams, number one, two guy, depending on you know the kid who's at Ohio State. But adding a five-star top prospect to a receiving group that returns Mims, you bring in Woods. Is the expectations yep. at Oklahoma like too high? Theo, we you got Theo yep. Weiss. Uh, I mean, there's a lot. And isn't a, what's a, there's a Stoops kid running around? I think. Uh, yeah, the, I think the, he's back. The, yeah, I, I, he looks like you know that that's that, uh, that Renfro kid. He I mean, it's the same kind of short route runner, little dude. You know, just catching the the slot passes, Cole Beasley kind of guy. He's I, and he got forced into action with the injuries last year. He I mean that kid looked great. He'd start. He'd be the number two, three receiver on like ninety programs in America. He might not even see the field this year. I, Ohio State's the only receiving core that is better than Oklahoma's. So it, I mean, it makes sense to leave Arkansas and come here because you, C.D. Lamb, D.D. Westbrook, Hollywood Brown, they just pump dudes into the NFL. So it's an easy sell to a very good player from Arkansas. Say, come here. We're going to add you to a receiving core that is legit. The number one, two recruits going to sit there in the oh, slot, yeah. and Mario Williams is going to light people up, and Mims takes the top off. Loaded at receiver two. I mean, Mario Williams is going to come in and look around the room. I mean, Mario Williams, number one, number two, you know, prospect in the country. That dude's never been on a team where he wasn't the best player on the team. And he's walking into a situation where he might be the fifth best receiver. They're going to get him touches, though. You're going to see this kid early. It's silly. It's silly. Kevin. As, as we talk about, obviously, this we talk about you know newcomers coming in. We talk about how Iowa State and Oklahoma are the are the best two programs. Maybe the the number one two punch, the, the best one two punch in the country. I mean, accolades being poured out and poured out over this conference. The the stir that straws this conference is drink, though is obviously Texas mm-hmm. when you look at Texas. Um, a couple other couple other programs, a couple other, you know, conference previews. We went through like give me a team where you have the over under. Give me a team where the over under is, you know, gonna go over and somebody that's gonna go under. You know, let's take a look and, and we just spitballed. On this conference, let me try this. Let me try this. Because Texas is that third team that you need, and obviously you touched on TCU. We know that Oklahoma State is a program that's always right there. Texas is what you want at number three. Over under for Texas, their number is eight. They're going to play Louisiana. They're going to play Louisiana at Arkansas, Rice, Texas Tech at TCU versus Oklahoma neutral field. Oklahoma State at Baylor at Iowa State, Kansas at West Virginia, Kansas State. I'm super high on Texas this year. I think Texas is being overlooked. All the attention that Oklahoma is getting, all the attention that Iowa State is getting, we are sleeping on Texas. This Texas team, now a lot of people, this is a dangerous game to play, but I'll play it. Texas was 
three, four plays away from being undefeated last year. They oh. were that close. They fumble at the goal line and lose they, against TCU. They go four overtimes against – like Spencer Rattler saves his career. He got yanked in that game. He yep. has to go back in, yep. four overtime thriller. Herman makes some questionable decisions late in the game against Iowa State with some fourth down stuff. So Texas was – it was that close to being a team – that was undefeated or maybe one loss. Then what do you do with the coach? A whole other thing. So I think they're going to beat Louisiana, Arkansas, Rice, Texas Tech. They're 4-0 going into the stretch with TCU and Oklahoma. But to get to eight wins here, I think they're going to do it. And they're going to jump out to be 5-0 and when they go and play the Red River rivalry. The Red River rivalry. Red Not a shootout. Rival. Red. <laughs> That's got to be your Red bet. River rivalry. Yeah. Get a good look at it. A um, shootout. A shootout. So they're going to be five and zero going into that game. I'm high on Texas this year. I think they get that eight yeah. eight wins that, it, over the eight wins. I, I tell you, it, it ties into my bold prediction. Oh, uh, mine too. Know, as I was looking at this, the, the bold. Oh, we have prediction. the same bold prediction. I, Darn it! Well, I, I sat there. Well, I sat there and I was like, "Is it a bold prediction to say that like Louisiana will beat Texas in Week One?" And, you know, because I feel like that's not even a bold prediction. That's just what people are saying. And rightfully so. I mean, new quarterback, new coach. The Louisiana team, we'll get to in the G5 preview, like how I plug that. But DZ, our G5 guy, he's doing will research be back right for now. that. He's doing research right now. He's at the, he's checking out the Catamounts right now. Yeah. He's expecting Vermont to have a very, very big season this year. The Louisiana team is loaded. I mean, yes. if – if they do beat Texas week one, the sky is not falling in Austin. That team is loaded. That team beat Iowa State last year, and they're better this year. I mean, they didn't lose anything. Yeah, they lost those two running backs. They, they, they lost the running backs. That's right. That's so you right. bring back you bring back, back, your, bring back yeah, your quarterback. You bring back your quarterback. But, but those I, two running they're backs. They're still loaded. They, yes. they, they brought back people on both lines. I think that's the interesting thing, too, on the on the on the COVID front, the extra year benefited the most from that is these G5 programs. You know, a, a, a guy who has an opportunity to play a sixth year at a power five conference, if he were good enough, he would either be in the NFL or you're like, well, geez, he should just be replaced by a, by a younger guy who's better than him. You know what I mean? Like Skalski comes back for Clemson for his sixth year, but they lose Mike Jones. Like, did you really gain anything by Skalski coming back? But these G5 programs are bringing back just grown men who they would otherwise be replacing them with a two-star freshman, with a two-star You guys sophomore. be working real jobs. Right, 100%. <laughs> so, you know, this Louisiana game, I, I think they win that game, and I think that Texas is improved this year as my bold prediction and as I look at this over-under with the eight wins. Yes, they lose Sam Ellinger, but as much – accolades as Sam Ellinger got, as much of a good talent as he was, we are not talking about a generational talent here. I mean, when you watch him play, he's tough and he's inspiring and he's got that leadership, he's got the intangibles, but he was also inconsistent and largely inaccurate at times, not really a pure passer, you know, almost like a guy like, like Syracuse had Eric Dungy a few years back. And obviously, they didn't replace him with guys that are as highly regarded as Casey Thompson or Hudson Card, so Syracuse fell off. But Texas has guys that they can replace an inspirational leader with. Yeah. And B. John Robinson is a stud. In that same sense, nobody talks about running backs anymore. 
everything is quarterbacks, quarterbacks, quarterbacks. You know, like DJ Ugalele is going to replace Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is the best, you know, quarterback prospect that we've seen. Sam Howell is this best quarterback prospect. B. John Robinson is one of the better college running backs that I've seen in a while. You got those studs and those dudes over at Oklahoma that were incredible. But Bijan Robinson has the opportunity this year to just break break the bank and show the world that he is the guy, that he is the best running back in the sport of college football this year. And I think he does it because I think he is. It was criminal how underutilized he was last year by Tom Herman. And this team comes down to are you or are you not a believer in, in, in Steve Sarkeesian? They finally let Robinson carry it later on in the year. He had 355 yards in the last two games on 19 carries. That's 18.7 yards a carry. And they won both those games. So that's it. Tom Herman is looking at his decision-making. Bijan Robinson needed to get the ball. He liked rotating guys in there, and now a couple mm-hmm. of them have left. You'll still have Roshan Johnson there. Great kid. I think he's fine in his role. He's content sees what he has in front of him, B. John Robinson. Right. Sarkeesian, they're talking, comparing B. John Robinson to Reggie Bush. He wears five. That's his favorite player ever. So he wears five, homage to Reggie Bush. Yeah. And he's comparing the quickness and the cuts he's making. And that's why I have faith in Texas. They're going to break in a new quarterback. I think the card kid, he'll be the quarterback. It's one of those weird dynamics. You said card beats out Casey yes, Thompson. Yes, because card is the... Everybody uh, assumed Casey Thompson because of the way he played. A Colorado bowl game. Sarkeesian's like game. me, though. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. The way it is with transfers now, you have to look at the higher ceiling. Because if you announce that Casey Thompson, if he's going to be your starting quarterback, Hudson Card's going to go, I'm out. Yeah. So the higher ceiling is Card. That kid's going to be named the starter. He will be the quarterback. Who knows what happens with the other kid. But I I think Card's going to be the guy. Having Bijan Robinson is why I am so high on Texas. Yeah. Sarkeesian yep. understands how to use talent. He has had it. He was there at Alabama. Najee Harris, they, he realized like we have a special kit. Like, we have Najee Harris. And you can and see the different ways they, they used him. They hung that bell on Najee Harris despite the fact that they had an experienced quarterback and a, a you know a, one of the greatest as, assemblies of wide receivers that we've ever seen in college football that they had last year. And he still was able to utilize Najee Harris to the point where you did not go Najee Harris is a generational running back who's being underutilized. So I'm, I'm high on Texas. I it, You mentioned a bold prediction. I think Texas is playing in the Big 12 championship game. I think they're That's, the second best team in – I think they, they will be number two yeah. in, there, in there as well. I, I'm, I'm with you there as well. So, so the eight wins – so the eight wins – come on, give me some specificity. So they, win, they beat Louisiana. They win at Arkansas. They beat Rice. They beat Texas Tech. They're they're four and zero at that point. They got to go at the fighting Max Duggins. You have them winning that game. Yeah, I have them undefeated going into Oklahoma. I think the you Oklahoma have them losing to Oklahoma. I have them. Yeah, the Oklahoma and Iowa State. I guess they're going to split those games. Would be if I have them playing in that number two. I think those three teams are going to end up at the end of the year being pretty close. And they to each win other. the rest of them. Yeah, I, th- I think they're State, gonna... Oklahoma State, Baylor. Baylor is going to have a tough season this season. Yeah, Baylor, Kansas is obviously Kansas. West Virginia is another sleeper team in this conference. Boy, oh boy, can Brown coach. I, I, I mean, their games. They're, I never planned on watching a West Virginia game, but coach. then you turn it on 
And whoever they're playing, it's the fourth quarter, and it's a tight game. That's how I feel with West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. I, that's interesting. I, I think I want to look that up because I feel the same way. Like, every time you turned them on last year, it was a good game. We probably didn't hot so, route a single and got, game. And, and then they got Kansas State. They got Kansas at West Virginia. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's 12 games. Kind of hinges on Louisiana, to, though, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if you beat Louisiana – you could lose to those two marquee teams and still go ten and two. Big Twelve needs to take care of the Sun Belt this year. They Big need to 12. rebound a little bit. Yes, they do. Yes, do you they miss do. this? Can maybe be a Group of Five conversation, but I miss last year because of the wacky schedule. We got to see some of those lower level teams. So let's table. I guess we'll table this for the G Five conversation. But some of yeah, the D- wait for DZ. Whoa, wait for DZ. The first Don't month be talking the, about G five without DZ. When the P fives weren't playing yet, let me call DZ. You know, and we were getting to watch Arkansas State and Adams, JA two play. You Adams. know, like the Mr. President playing every week. Like that Jonathan was really Adams cool that we got introduced to some of those teams. And Louisiana with their Iowa State win was one of the big stories at the start of that year. Texas yeah. beats them this year. To They're going to play the actual week one. Is there anything cool going on like that August 28th where you're like, who is this? The week zero? <laughs> yeah, week zero. I think Nebraska like, maybe plays. Yeah, uh, the, the toilet bowl I talked about. Oh, yeah, that's right. Nebraska, Give it a Illinois, listen. Nebraska, Illinois playing in the toilet bowl. Do you want to talk schedule them? Is that I, where we're at? Yeah. I, I, Since so, we're right here. So when you're looking at like the best weekend in the Big Twelve, if you if you are if you're set in your schedule and you're like, okay, I can only watch the Big Twelve like one weekend this year, I I earmark two weekends. Although I was having a hard time with their schedule. What's, what's interesting is what's interesting is that you sort of are going to take a look at Texas versus Oklahoma. So we're going to take a look at Iowa State versus Oklahoma. Those two games are these marquee games. But you also, that Texas-Iowa State, I don't know what What else happens on it. It's November 6th. I don't know what else happens that weekend in the Big 12. You know, but that could actually be your game of... Of, of the of the season for the Big 12. It carries that much weight that you, it could be your biggest weekend. Yeah. Correct, because if if Oklahoma runs the table, and, and I do think that Oklahoma is just, has an incredible team this year. But then your, Iowa State, second, your Iowa State-Texas game could be the game that, that, that you forgot about, and then when it rolls around November 6th, you go, oh, dang, you're talking about a spot talking about a spot at the table in the in the Dr. Pepper Big 12 Championship. It's the DJ Uyangalule Dr. Pepper Fansville National Championship yeah, game. DJ's there smiling. Yeah. He's smiling all He's going to be in all those competitions yeah, at halftime. going to beat DJ to win a 100 grand scholarship. <laughs> Can we, I just, you just said something about yeah, the Oklahoma. nerdy that, kids with the push passes. Yeah. They should, they should outlaw the push pass. Hey, don't no, hit the player. No, no. You you have to throw it overhand. You have to throw it overhand. That's the one new hand rule. throws. That's the new rule. Hang on, before you get into that second beer of this evening from our friends over at Willow Rock. I love it. I mean, we're look, we're Syracuse guys. I know that you know there's not a whole lot of Syracuse college football fans, but if you are a college football fan, you know who Jim Brown is. And Willow Rock rolls out uh, possibly what would be classified as my wife's favorite beer. It, they roll out a brown ale, and they just called it Jim. 
What, what, well done. Well done. Tip of the cap. Home run. Tip of the cap. So we're going to get a Jim Brown Ale going on here. Uh, beautiful beer. Uh, I'll crack it. I'll pour it. You pass me your cup and talk to me about yeah. what's going on. Well, with Oklahoma, you just said something that made me think of the quarterback play. And with Spencer Rattler, we are basing all of this Oklahoma's best team ever thinking that Spencer Rattler can reach the bar that's been set for college football quarterbacks, and I don't think it's ever been higher. When you look at the last few years, the number like what Mac Jones, Joe Burrow, and then right at Oklahoma, guys like Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, what those players have done, the expectation is you're averaging 350 passing yards a game. You're completing 75-plus percent of your passes. Last year, Spencer Rattler completed 68% of his passes, and he averaged 280-ish yards a game. He is not close numerically, statistically, to the level of those guys. We're assuming Mims can become C.D. Lamb. We're assuming that. We think these running backs, Gray's coming over. It's going to fit. Kennedy Brooks has had a year off. I'm just trying to punch a few holes in the fact that we are, Iowa State's proven. We know that Brees Hall is one of the best running backs in the country. Brock Purdy, I think we know what he is as a quarterback. They're going to win tight games. We're not expecting them to blow you out and set records in terms of points per game and all of those things. But with Oklahoma and Spencer Rattler, if I could try to figure out why aren't they going to run the table, why aren't they going to win it, Yeah. what if Spencer Rattler is what he was last year? What if he isn't a Mac Jones and a Joe Burrow? You have to ask with Spencer Rattler, though, what if he is what he was last year in terms of what if he is what he was last year, including the beginning of the season. Because if you take out the stumbles at the beginning and you look at the last, um, let me I, I don't want to misquote this, so, so let me take a look at it specifically of what he did the last six or seven games. But the last seven games... He was one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I mean, he just put up fantastic numbers, mm-hmm. numbers weighted down by by the beginning of the season. Sure. Because he still comes in, when you look at last year, he still went over 3,000, 28 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He also rushed it uh, for a 28 touchdowns is nothing. 60, 160 yards and six touchdowns. You know his six rushing TDs were the most, the most by an uh, Oklahoma freshman quarterback since Blake Bell, which, which interestingly enough wasn't Blake Bell the Bell Dozer or was, yeah, was whatever name, like that right? He, he wasn't even a quarterback. They, they just put him in. They, would they just put him in. Run. Yes, they that's put all they would do. They put it in. So, the, but the last nine games he had at least two touchdowns. In the last seven games, he goes off for 15 touchdowns and two interceptions, which I know what you're saying. You need to go for for three touchdowns, for four touchdowns. But this is a guy, you know, his his passing grade last year was uh, 92.5. That's behind only Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. So his season last year, while a disappointment because of those two early losses in that bracket, statistically was not an awful season and was not a no, terrible not awful. season. But they're and, saying like Heisman front runner. And, look at the Heisman guys and where they've been. And if you look at if you look at this kid's high school career, he is one of the best high school quarterbacks to ever play. This dude threw for over eleven 
thousand yards in his high school. He was career. another Arizona guy, right? Over Arizona is just pumping out yeah, their quarterback Arizona? factory. Is, yeah, he's from Phoenix. Yeah. He's from Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, he goes over 11,000 yards in high school. He throws over 100 touchdowns in high school. Like, this kid was insane. The the stats that he put up in high school are mind-boggling. In eighth grade, I went so, three for five once for 40 so, yards. So, I'm not lying. That was a stat. It was a stat. Three for five for 40 yards. It was, that was, like, pretty high up on the CMS was, record books. Was we were it, a run first team. Was it a bubble screen that the dude broke? Or did no, you it was probably deflected. It, field? it was probably deflected off like a defensive lineman and kept going. <laughs> Three for five for 40 yards. So, uh, but that was like a pat on the back You're the game. math guy. That's almost 15 yards of pass. Yeah. Did you have one big one or three like you nickel and dime it? Hard to remember. How'd you get there? Hard to remember. We'll go back and look at the film. We'll Tune in next week. We'll go back and look at the film. Brian Breezy, breathing down your neck, and you still, you still <laughs> able to get that done. That's all so, I'm saying with Rattler, though, is... It, I agree. I agree. you got to slow... People think he's going to hit that you level. you got to slow your if roll. If he does, they're undefeated, and they're winning the Big 12. you got to slow your roll, and, and there you go. If he does... And, and I mean, really, like, Henny, look at what you're talking about. Like, the same thing when we're talking about, like, C.J. Stroud, or, like, enter name of Ohio State quarterback here. Enter name of Alabama quarterback here last season. I mean, you are talking about the fifth best receiver on their team would be like the first best receiver on 75 teams. Right. You know, the sixth best receiver who's not even going to see the field would be a starter on like 90 teams. TCU has one like, five-star guy. That running back has one five-star kid. It's crazy. You know, Theo Weiss, Marvin Mims, Jadon Hazelwood. And you get to bring in Mike Adams. You know, they got Kennedy Brooks and you bring in Eric Gray. We haven't even talked about they they have a tight end in Austin Stagner who might be a top five tight end in the country. Like what are we it's it's insane. It's yeah, crazy. The weapons the, are there. The, the weapons are there and the defense was improved last year. Absolutely. I think we gotta you know, the suggestion would be is that Grinch is the guy at defensive coordinator. It it, it he fixed the defense because you're bringing in talent. So they just needed somebody to fix the defense. I know they lost some guys. They lost some guys in the back end. The secondary has question marks, obviously. Um, and that's dangerous. You, that's a dangerous game to play in the Big 12 if your secondary you know, lacks guys. Yeah. But I, if, if it was Alex Grinch who's the guy that fixed it, then Alex Grinch is still there. So you assume they're still there. They're still a program to be reckoned with on the defensive side of the ball, too. And all they need to do is be average. I'm with you. Yeah, their defense doesn't have to be one of the top five in the country. Top 25 defense in Spencer Rattler reaches what we expect him to be. Oklahoma is going to have a chance to win a national championship. So, okay, so so what is, so what is, so we, we, we've just waxed poetic We're talking about Oklahoma. So, Spencer Rattler, I have him as my offensive player of the year. Again, you know, first of all, I just assumed that you were going to go with B. John Robinson, and obviously, as we talked about before, I love that pick. He's special. Rattler, I see as a guy who is uh, B. John Robinson might be the most important offensive piece to his team, but Spencer Rattler is going to be the best player on the best team with weapons all over the place and an offense that is just tailored for a quarterback to put up video game numbers. 
So, you know, when you take a look at those weapons and we've gone over all that, we've gone over the stats, I see him as the offensive player of the year. And the Big 12 probably hopes he's the offensive player of the year because if he is, he's also going to be in New York as a Heisman finalist. And you have to throw Brees Hall in there too. So I think B. John Robinson, Rattler you mentioned, and Brees Hall is a guy, I think he was their offensive player of the year last year, first unanimous um, All-American in Iowa State history. You just look at what he's been doing. It's going to be hard for somebody. That, he's setting a high bar for Rattler Bijan Robinson to become the player of the year because this kid, he has a rushing touchdown in the last 12 games, so he leads the country in that. He was the only player in the country with 75-plus yards a game and a rushing touchdown in every single game. He said rewriting the record books at Iowa State. Had a rushing touchdown in every game. That kid was consistent. They can trust him. They're all chasing him because we're going to see a very similar year, I believe, from Hall. But Robinson is dynamic, and Rattler, like you said, is going to be the best player on the best team. So Rattler would be the first pick. Bijan Robinson is right there, and then you're looking at Hall. That's and your top off. three. And, and does that – okay, so your offensive player of the year. Is your offensive player of the year with those three guys – going to be the one that wins the conference? Or can't... Can, I think that B. John Robinson could win it without Texas winning the conference. Agreed. But I don't think Spencer Rattler can win it without Oklahoma winning the conference. If they don't win the conference, something went wrong, and that something would more than likely be an, a bad performance by Rattler in one or two. I think I'm saying the same thing, just differently. But if Spencer Rattler, if he's not your offensive player of the year, then Oklahoma has stumbled in a couple of games. Yeah. They got tripped up by a Kansas State again. Yeah. They lose to TCU. Something like that happens to Oklahoma. He throws a few bad interceptions, yeah. and he's not your offensive player of the year. Because this is tailor-made for him to do it. Yeah. He has the talent. The expectations are there. You need the hype to reach that point. Yeah. He has it all. They can win. it. They can win the Big 12 without him being a Heisman finalist because they're so loaded. But they can't win the national title without him being what the hype is. Without him delivering on the hype train and being that guy, this is not a national title team. If I had to bet one way or another, I'm thinking he is that good. And they are playing for a national championship. I, You know, I, I this could finally be the year that they break through and actually win a playoff game. And if, when if, are we making those predictions, if you, by the way? If you recall, too, though, you know, Oklahoma gets heaped on where you go, they have never won a college football playoff game. You know who's played in all the best first-round college football playoff games? Oklahoma. So they've never won any, but they've been right there. And if their defense can be top 25-ish, that's all they need. Yep, 100%. 100%. So, okay, so that's your offensive player of the year. Defensive player of the year. In this conference, I know the defense is not tremendously sexy um, because it just gets stomped on, which, again, I think that It is those, sexy this year, though. I think those numbers are skewed a little bit. I think that part of it is that the defenses are not – as, as good as the offenses, but I think also part of it is that the offenses are that good. When we've seen the Big 12, and I know you don't care about bowl games, but when we've seen the Big 12 compete against other conferences, either in non-conference games during the season or in you know bowl games, those offenses have translated. And 
it's it's the defenses look bad because the offenses are so good. Everybody gives so up points think, now. Yeah, everybody what the, gives what up we points. made fun of the Big Twelve for doing is what you Alabama see in the SEC. Alabama gives up points. Yes, all over the place in the SEC. Teams yeah. are scoring 40, 50 points. Yeah. Alabama's cool winning 50 to 30 now. Yeah, Ole Miss just decided that defense is optional. Right. But, uh, you know, they're, they're but still... But they're not alone in that conversation. They're still hanging 40 Everybody's doing it now. So we used to make fun of the Big 12 for not playing defense, and then you'd watch an SEC yeah. game and be like, oh, it's not that different. And in, in my guy for a defensive player of the year in the Big 12 is you obviously got to know if you've been a listener on this program. I've been a fan of this young man since he came in. Uh, as as a freshman and was putting up some huge games, uh, Bernard Terrell, which interestingly enough, if you look him up and uh, accidentally type Terrell Bernard, that's like a fancy cigar company. I ended up ordering a few just because I was like, oh, wow, just Bernard Terrell. I just ordered a couple of these cigars. Cause, you know, <laughs> when he wins Defensive Player of the Year, I'd be like, that prediction was right. And I got a couple of Terrell Bernard cigars. Did you have a party cigars. for him last night? Yeah. Did you have a exactly. party for Bernard here last yeah, night? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Bernard, <laughs> Bernard the, the going away party for Bernard was uh, was last night here. Uh, Bernard, Nobody else we'll, gets that, but no, it's okay. Bernard, will see you down in Charlotte for the ACC Championship. My boy Bernard took a job down in Charlotte. He's gone, had a party here. He invited us down to the ACC Championship place to stay. Bernard Terrell, though, is not moving to Charlotte. He is a three-year starting linebacker for the Baylor Bears. This dude has 214 career tackles, 19 tackles for a loss, nine sacks, three interceptions. If you're not impressed, keep in mind that he missed two months of last season. So he has 300 tackles in his career if he plays those last two months considering he had 60 tackles through five games last season he's bucked this award watch list preseason all big 12 first uh first team again you know i've loved him since he took the field that's my pick lock it up you lock it up lock it up i didn't go with a surprise here because i'm going with the guy who currently has the belt for defensive player of the year and that's mike rose the linebacker from Iowa State. So you turn on twenty, you know, number 23 for Iowa State. Yep. You want to be like Mike as you watch that kid play defense. All-American, defensive player of the year. He led the Big 12 in tackles. Your boy wasn't there. So Rose leads him in tackles. He also leads the Big 12 in interceptions. I didn't have time today to do a lot of research there, but I do want to take a look at linebackers who have done that led in interceptions and tackles because that i think is very special he had five interceptions that's more than the rest of iowa state combined the rest of the iowa state team had four interceptions and they had a very good defense and we're talking about them in the mix for a national championship caliber team and mike rose is the heart and soul of that defense you're good when you talk about sexy mike rose you're gonna like this watch this kid play you, you love him with the helmet off, too? He's no, no, I've only seen him with his helmet on. But doesn't he have the flow? I don't He's got know. some flow out of the back of the helmet. You're going to like this you're kid. Like, you're talking about sexy. Mike Rose. Yeah. He's, He's got, got a, a great little, name. you got a little low voice. He's got a great Mike, name. I like defensive players. Mike Rose. Yeah, Mike Rose. Check this kid out. 23 for Iowa State. He won it last year, so I'm not doing any deep dive there, but it makes sense for this kid on this sure? defense it to be. It sounded like you were going to do a deep dive. Easy. <laughs> Sheesh. Um, look, all right, so we're going to do conference, conference champion pick, but we we spun around and, and talked about a whole bunch of things and never actually told our, our listeners what the weekend of the season was. 
for the Big 12. So I kind of I, I tagged this this Saturday, October 16th, BYU at Baylor, Iowa State at Kansas State, Oklahoma State at Texas, TCU at Oklahoma, Texas Tech at Kansas. So that's just these Big 12 matchups. Yeah. November 20th is the Baylor, game is November 20th. Baylor right? at Kansas State, Iowa State at Oklahoma, so immediately that gets tagged. Yeah. Kansas at TCU, Oklahoma State at Texas State, Texas at West Virginia. So Texas at West Virginia could be one of those uh-oh games for Texas where they get where they're a contender and they get in a dogfight in Morgantown against West Virginia. Obviously, uh, Iowa State at Oklahoma is earmarked as the game of the season. And then you get Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, which just traditionally has been this, you know, this game is fun. Everybody wants to watch this game. Last year we talked a lot about Oklahoma State, not much this year, but I have a little different take on a weekend there that I kind of stole out of your playbook with the ACC and Big Ten stuff. If you're a college football fan and you're wondering what weekend to watch the Big 12 outside of just the single game that we discussed, Iowa State, Oklahoma, Texas, Iowa State, Texas, Oklahoma, you can kind of cherry pick those certain games. But the second week of the season, Iowa, Iowa State, those two teams play. You have these cross-conference matchups. Texas plays Arkansas. Sam Pittman did a nice job at Arkansas last year. Texas... Are they coming off a Louisiana win? Are they 0-1 having to play an SEC opponent that we think is on the rise? West Virginia gets Virginia Tech, a team that's very interesting. I know you have some pretty high thoughts on Virginia Tech. And then Kansas is at Coastal. So do you want to just sneak a little peek? G5? A little G5. Kansas is the bottom feeder, so Coastal will be favored. But it is cool anytime you can see. I don't even know who Coastal is without the G5 guy here. They have a football team? They do, and yes, okay. Dave has a hat. Dave has They a sell hat. hats. That's the one thing I know for the sure. G5 Dave will fill us in on the rest. What to have a young man named McCall? I yes. Think, I believe it's McCall. Yes. Who is uh, absolutely So terrific. I'll go week two. Cal TCU, another game you can watch Doug in and against a, a Pac-12 team. So outside of those individual matchups, week two should tell us a lot about this conference. Wait, time out. Who's Doug in play? Cal. Ooh, okay. Cal okay. comes to town. I don't think that's okay. a neutral site matchup, but... Last year, the start of the season, we crushed the Big 12 for how they started. Because the Sun Belt showed up and took down these Big 12 teams. Oh, they took right away. They, and I mean, all of a sudden, just, they, yeah. we were like, oh, they might be done. Go, nope. We don't know what we have. And they were done. And they were done. And because I'll tell you what, at the end of the season last year, and, and Oklahoma wasn't involved in the debacle that was, you know, that, that the Sun Belt takedown. But at the end of the season, there's not a team in America that wanted to play Oklahoma. Great point. Including all four of the teams that made the college football playoff. They're so good down the stretch. Line it up. Line it up. Stevenson and Perkins came back. They were freaking awesome. Oklahoma beats Notre Dame last year if they played. If they played. Um, Haters on line one. People are Notre Dame fans on line one. Nobody can think that. What? The champ. I mean, until proven otherwise, the champ is is Oklahoma, right? Do they win I every mean, championship until they're out? They've won six in a row. Does Oklahoma win every Big 12 championship until they are out of the league? If you had to pick one way or the other there? Oklahoma or the field for the next, what, through 2025? Is it 2025? Allegedly, but yeah. that's going to probably First change. Of, yeah, it's going to be 2022. 
If it um, was 2025. Okay, so if it was 2025, that's one, two, three, four, five. Okay, that's right. That's five years. Because sometimes I get confused that, the, the, that the one year counts. Inclusive, exclusive well, stuff. If you, yeah, 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 if you say, oh, well, it's 2021 and that's 2025, that's four years later. But it's right. actually five seasons later. Okay, so over the course of the next five seasons, will they win all five? I got to go field. Yeah. I got to take the field there. I gotta take the field there because I don't. I don't think what Matt Campbell is doing at Iowa State is like this lightning in a bottle thing. And I don't know how long he's gonna be. Where there, he just happened to grab some people. Um, you know, TCU could always have a rise depending on what happens there. I think that. Well, you know what though? You know what though? How much does it factor into the rest of these Big Twelve teams recruiting when all these recruits know that the Big Twelve is done? Yeah. So actually, I'm gonna take Oklahoma and not Ooh, the field. Talk yourself out of it. I'll take Oklahoma and not the field. I forgot about that aspect. The recruiting trail is going to be difficult for the rest of these programs. That makes sense. And they've got the Caleb Williams kid. Like so, when Rattler's gone after this year, you have another number one quarterback oh, that's coming in there. If, Next guy's up. If you were a quarterback, a stud quarterback, you would go to Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. Or Oklahoma. Sarkeesian's hoping to change that. One of those four right. programs. Yeah. And the way that it is now, if you don't win the job, you transfer. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, there's people are like, Cincinnati coach is just lined up outside of the Ohio State. He's, he's like peeking in on their practices. What are you guys doing? Yeah. Uh, oh, so I didn't play a lot today. What guy don't you want? Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kyle McCord, that Quinn Ewers, like, jumped you? Eh, we got a spot for you. You want, you want to come play for us? Quinn Ewers is going to be you, Tate Martell. You think? I get a little bit of that vibe. I get, I get a little bit of that vibe, too. Go and make your money, young blood. Like you can make money before you even hit the field these days. I've um, got Oklahoma beating Texas in that game. I think Iowa State's going to play too close with people. Iowa State's not going to run away from you, and I think they're going to get tripped up this year. It'll be, I don't know what the tiebreaker deal is, but Texas is going to beat Iowa State in the regular season, and that will be the difference for them. So I forget you said the date of that game. Circle that game. November 6th. November 6th. That's the play game. Sometimes the second game is actually the game of the season. You know, like a UNC-Miami type situation. Absolutely. Oklahoma the walks in undefeated. is the game. Texas the beats Iowa State game. and goes. It, so I've got Oklahoma over Texas, and Oklahoma's going to the CFP, and we'll maybe make predictions uh, in the want, next couple weeks. But I want... Iowa State. I'm rooting for Iowa State. I like Brock I'm Purdy. With you there. I yeah. like Brees Hall. I like Matt Campbell. He had opportunities to leave. He had gobs of money at other places. I like Mike Rose. I like that team. I root for that team. I want that team to be successful. I'd love for them to win the conference championship. I think it'd be a cool thing to say, you know, hey, Oklahoma, Texas, guess what? Iowa State is going to is going to carry this banner because realistically again as we're looking at it with regards to what's going to happen on the recruiting trail of the Big 12 is this Iowa State the last non-Texas Oklahoma team that's even going to assemble the talent to be able to win the Big 12 championship Feels in the like face it. of those two you know it kind of does so it would be just a a a way to go out on a bang for Iowa State, it'd be bittersweet because if they win the Big 12, Matt Campbell's gone. You know, I, I, if they win the Big 12, how does Matt Campbell not leave? You're at a school that doesn't have a conference anymore. You, you know, so if they win, he's out. So, I, you know, I, I kind of root for that. But 
I just think that this Oklahoma team is loaded. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I think they're loaded. I think they go to the college football playoff, and I think they have a chance to win a game and potentially win it all. They're one of the few teams if that we take can a win look. The whole thing. Show me what your defense looks like. Show me what your defense looks like. Show me that Spencer Rattler got an offseason better. And that's a team that, jeez, jeez. I mean, they have more answers. They have more answers than Alabama right now, right? We're just assuming Alabama's going to be awesome. We're just assuming George, uh, Clemson's going to be awesome, even though they lost legendary players within their program, and tons of them. Uh, Ohio State, just assuming they're going to be awesome. Well, they lost their running back. They lost their, their, their quarterback. Eh, but I'm sure they're still going to be awesome. I'm positive they're still going to be awesome. They might not be. You know, but Oklahoma has all of these guys returning from a team that was scratching the surface and was was knocking at the door last season at the end of the season as a team that nobody wanted to play. And now they come into the season with all that experience. I have to take them as the conference championship. I'm with you. Even though it's chalk and even though I'm not necessarily, you know, I, we're supposed to be neutral as talking heads. Eh, screw it. I'm a college football fan, and I like to root for people and teams. I'm rooting for Iowa State, but I just don't see it. Poor I mean, Iowa State. Their best team ever. And you get a season where Oklahoma's rolling out one of their best teams. Last ever. year was, I feel like last year was your shot at Oklahoma. That's yeah. Because Rattler was still figuring things out. Iowa State didn't do They did it in the regular season. Didn't do it in the conference championship game. Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. That is all for tonight. I hope you didn't miss this opportunity to be with us tonight. That is all that we have tonight. As always, you can check us out and give us a follow on Twitter, at Henny and Patron. You can listen and subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Go on, rate, review us, follow us on Spotify, Anchor, Stitch, essentially anywhere podcasts are found. Check out our page on Facebook, Henny and Patron, The Two Drink Minimum, or friend me at Dan Patron. A special thanks to our brewery tonight. As always, a special thanks to our guy Kevin down at Willow Rock. We had a Mr. Zero New England IPA, which their New North New York IPA is also delicious. If we would have had a three drink minimum tonight, thanks DZ, we would have had that in the mix Check as well. Out the seltzers we there also too. had oh, the Leaf Seltzers, some of the better seltzers I've had. The Jim Brown Ale was the other beer that we had tonight. Thank you so much, Willow Rock, for the beers. I am Dan Patron. He is Kevin Hannigan, and this has been the two drink minimum. Cheers. Cheers.